well, I want to welcome all of those who watch online and who are in our satellite groups around the city. Uh, if you've got your study guide, um, we've got a place for you to take notes. I think it's on, where is it, page 38. Thank you. Uh, there's a place for notes there, 37, 36, 37, yeah. Um, and the scripture is there, but I'm going to really just be cruising through this. So you sometimes when you try to read along, that can get frustrating because I'm going to be cruising a little bit. Uh, let me pray, and we're going to talk about hearing God. Lord, we do want to hear you. Oh, how we long to hear your voice above all other voices. And so, Lord, we ask now even that you would speak to us through your word, through this teaching, through the nudges of the Spirit. And would you increase would you increase our desire to hear, to really hear you? Would you increase our ability to hear, that we would be attuned to your truth and your grace and who you are? And so I ask it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're continuing in this conversation that Moses is having with God in chapter 3 of Exodus. And don't you love this conversation? Don't you want a conversation with God like this, right? Haven't you found yourself at times saying, I want a burning bush, right? I want to hear God audibly. I want to know without a doubt what he said and what he wants, right? Well, maybe. Because what I found fascinating in this is that Moses gets that experience and I don't think he really wanted to hear what he heard, right? We want to hear God, but do we? And so I want to walk through this conversation. I want our hearts to be tender to what does it mean to hear from God. So as you remember, God says to Moses, he says, I have seen the misery of my people and I'm concerned about their suffering. He wants Moses to know I've seen, I've heard, I care, I've concerned, I've come down to rescue them. I'm not, I'm not checking out, I'm coming towards you, I'm coming to them. And then in verse 10 he says, so Moses, and this is going to kind of be Cheryl's paraphrase, okay, so that's again, maybe don't follow along, but my, then he basically says in verse 10, so Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to do, bring my people out of Egypt. He's basically said, hey, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to send you as my agent of rescue. And then Moses starts with, what about? What about? What about? I don't think so. Not me. So we say, God, I want to hear from you. We open the scripture and we begin to read it. And it does begin to speak to us. And we find ourselves saying, but what about? But what about? Oh, God, you don't understand. This was written so long ago. This is not our culture. You don't get where I live. Surely that's not what you're asking of me, right? What about? What about? 
I don't think so. Oh, I can be like Moses. I want to hear God. I want to join his mission. But I want him to say what I want him to say. I want him to send me where I want to be sent. Because God says to Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people to freedom. And he says to you, and he says to me, because friends, there is no life in Christ apart from being on mission with Christ. There's no just sitting in the pew. There's no just showing up once a week and checking your box. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, he will call you. He will send you places that you did not want to go. And I think sometimes we're thinking, oh God, are you wanting me to go to Africa? And here's what he's often saying is, no, I just want you to go across the street. I'm sending you to this workplace to be the aroma of Christ, to be the light of Christ. I'm sending you to this neighborhood and I want you to walk across the street. I want you to go next door. I'm sending you to this family member. Not that one, Jesus. <laughs> right. Jesus said something really, really profound. We love that Jesus says, hey, I want you to love. We love that, right? And then he says, oh, I want you to love my enemies, your enemies, your enemies. I want you to love your enemies. And we say, what about, what about, what about, right? What about? Not me. Moses said, when God said, I want to send you, Moses said, who am I? And we say that too. And it kind of sounds lofty, right? Who am I? Surely there is somebody better. Surely there is somebody greater. I'm so humble, Lord. <laughs> Who would I be? You should send somebody else. Someone more qualified. Right? Moses Shirley's thinking, you know I killed a dude. You know, you might want somebody with a better reputation. You might want somebody who has a stronger voice in Egypt than me. And what's God's response? But I'm going to be with you. And again, we say, oh, if God would just be with me, then I'd do it. If I knew he was going to be with me, then I would go. What does Moses say? Um, <laughs> not the answer I'm looking for. Because <laughs> wonder if they start asking me questions. See, that's why we don't share our faith, right? What if they start asking me questions? And they will ask you questions. My faith has been deepened by the questions of the cynic and the non-believer and the seeker, the honest questions 
But typically, it's not the questions that can be found in a book. We think that's the thing. Well, I don't know. I didn't go to seminary. Well, I did go to seminary. I still don't like the questions. Right? You're like, I, I, I'm not going to be able to answer. What if they ask me about, like, you know, soteriology or this or that, all these ologies, and I don't know about the ologies. No, what's harder is that you know this and I know this, and Moses knew that they were going to ask some questions, questions that we get that are the hard questions. Why did my child die? Why would a good God let me suffer? Why, when I have done everything I thought was right, it's all gone so wrong? What kind of God is that God? What kind of God is your God? And that's what Moses says, what if they ask me who you are? There's all kinds of gods in Egypt. What kind of God are you? And that's when, and Coley so beautifully spoke of this last week, but that's when God says to Moses, this is your answer. I am that I am. And by saying this, what God was telling Moses is that he was telling Moses of his nature. He didn't go into a marketing campaign of why he was so awesome, why they should like him. He just said, I am that I am. And what that means, that language, I am, it means that this is the nature of God, that God is saying, my being is sustains my being. That's how some translate the I am. My being sustains my being. Basically, he's saying God is self-sustaining. He needs no one. He is all-powerful. Nothing can thwart his ways. He is self-determined, which means no one created him and no one directs him. I am that I am. God is saying, I don't need anyone. And this is really profound. And if we could hear God whisper this to us. Because what God is saying to Moses is, Moses, I don't need you. I want you. I want you. We have a God who doesn't need us, he wants us. It is one thing to be needed by someone. It is so much more profound to be wanted. And friends, there are a lot of us living to be needed because we're afraid we'll never be wanted. Because what's at the deepest part of our soul is a longing not to be needed, to be wanted to be wanted. And God is saying to Moses, I want you. I want to do this with you. I want us to do this together. I want to engage you in an intimate relationship with me in which you will serve as my priest, my mouthpiece to these people. And we'll do it together. But even again, what does Moses say? 
What if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they, they, they think you didn't really meet with God? He didn't really appear to you. And I say it all the time, right? What if they don't believe me? Wonder if they think I'm crazy. Because believing in Jesus is kind of crazy. What we believe, right? And so what does God do? He says to Moses, he says, what do you got? And I think he says that to us too. What do you got? We're going to start with what you got. Remember, Moses probably wasn't super proud of being a shepherd in the Egyptian culture, which he was raised in. That was like the last thing you wanted to be. And he's his father-in-law's shepherd. He doesn't even have his own sheep. You know, this is embarrassing at the age of 80. And, um, but God says, I'm going to start with what you got. What do you got? You got a staff. Throw that staff down. And then this is when it gets awesome, right? So you're thinking, okay, this is the thing. If God would do this for me, I'd be totally all in, right? <laughs> he throws the, the, he says, throw the, the staff down, throws down, turns into a snake. Then I think the other snakes, it turn, that snake eats the stick. I don't know. It goes crazy. I mean, it's like, boom. And he's like, okay. That wasn't so impressive, or at least not enough. Stick your hand in your coat. Okay, leprosy. Stick your hand in your coat. No leprosy. <laughs> right. And I say, oh, God, if you gave me that. But, you know, here's the thing. Even Moses got all that. And what's, he, what's his response? Uh, <laughs> I don't speak so good. Um, but here's the thing, I do want to, I do think this is the truth. What, how, how God wants to show up through you is through something you already have. And it might be a spiritual gift. It might look like the power of God. I do believe God comes in healings and God comes and he speaks to us. And, and I believe that God can show up and push back the darkness and all those kinds of things. But I also know that what God said to Paul, when Paul wanted to get rid of something that he felt like was a weakness, right? And I'm sure Paul's thinking, he called it a thorn in his flesh, and I'm sure Paul's thinking, hey, if I could just get rid of this, God, I could really do stuff for you. I could really push back the darkness. I could really do amazing things for your kingdom. And what does God say to Paul? He says... My grace is sufficient for you. He says, actually, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I find that oftentimes where the power of God wants to show up in my life isn't a miraculous staff turning into snakes and all that kind of stuff, but that would be cool. It's in my weakness. And that's why Paul responded, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. I am content with insults. I am content with hardships. I am content with persecutions. I am content with calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is when the power of God shows up. 
Because if we want the power of God on display, then we need to let God do something through us with what we got. If it's five little fish, right? He takes the matter, he takes what we have, and he explodes, and he does a great work. But again, Moses his answer, even after seeing all of that, right? Moses responds with, I don't speak good. There's better speakers, peoples. <laughs> and then here's where I love God because, and I love the scripture, because God is a, we, we call God a person. Now he's spirit, but we call him a person because he's knowable. Because he's a God of relationship. And we see God in his personhood here, right? Because how does God respond? Who gave you your mouth, dude? Who gave that to you? That thing that you think is a weakness, your mouth, your ability to communicate, I gave it to you. I'll help you speak. I'll teach you what to say because in doing that, you and I will do this together because I don't need you. I want you. I want to do it together. I, I want to do it with you. So me to God on that can be, well, that is super cool, but I still don't think I have the gifts needed to do this. That's the only problem I find with spiritual gift stuff sometimes is that it can also give people permission to say, well, I don't do that, she does that. I don't do that, he does that. Because when I look at the scripture, a lot of times what God loves to use is what we think we can't do. And this is where Moses just finally, right? Please just send someone else. Please just send somebody else. And God gets angry. But he is also gracious. And he says, okay, let's get you a partner. Let's bring Aaron into the mix. And I love that about God. Right? I think he does that with us too. Let's get you a partner. Maybe that's why Jesus, when he started sending people out, he was like, Father, we better send them in twos because we tried that one thing and that just was not working. These people need buddies. <laughs> Who are your people? Get your people. Who are your buddies? He gives them Aaron. The bottom line is this, really, is that just like me, Moses says, I just don't really want to do that. And God says, do it anyway. You can't fail. You can't fail. So I want to take just a few minutes and get practical. So how do we hear, listen, and respond to God, right? So two things that are going to turn into like eight things. But the first one is this. The first thing that I was so encouraged by as I was doing the study and, and even doing, so, I hope you were able to do some of those practices of what do you hear God whispering to you? That was helpful to me. Um, but uh, what I loved was that in this account, um, God 
Moses put all his excuses out to God, right? And so that I thought that's the number one thing we need to do. Just get all your excuses out. So I did that in my journal. There's some things that I feel like I'm trying to listen to the Lord about. And I have some reasons why I think I shouldn't. And then I have reasons why I think I should. And then I think, you know, and I've got all this stuff. So I just filled my journal with all my things. Like, well, probably not this, probably not that. Oh, I don't think I could. Uh, uh. I love that. I love that we have a God who is, who is willing to hear our excuses. The Psalms, I love that we have the Psalms of lament, Right? The Psalms of Lament are all those Psalms that say, I don't want to, I hate this, I don't even know if you're here, God. And it's like the scripture is just saying in stereo, you can talk to God like this. You can pour it all out. So I think if we're going to listen to God, we have to get honest with God. We got to pour out all of our excuses, all of our whatabouts, whatabouts, maybe not, not me, somebody else. All that needs to get poured out. And then the second thing is what I was struck by as I was doing the study, and, and especially in John chapter 10, uh, I was struck by the need to change my posture towards God. And John chapter 10 is actually, in, you know, you, it was in your study. It's on page 34. You can go there. Um, because I'm going to now just kind of walk through that passage. And, and, and I, I kind of came up for me, and I'm going to give them to you, five posture shifts. Five shifts. shifts. Oh, that's going to get bad. <laughs> of how I need to change my posture towards God. Because Jesus says in John 10, Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And he says, I know my own, and my own know me. So shift number one. I need to move from seeing myself as unknown to known. And in that, some of us need to shift from seeing ourselves as alone to known. We need to shift from the self-pity and the no one knows me and no one gets me and no one understands me to I have a good God and he is a good shepherd and he knows me and that needs to define me. I need to move towards people as a known person then I don't have to demand so much from them. I am known by the one who matters most. The second shift is this, that I need to go from not knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus. He says, I know my own and my own know me. And maybe you have known religion. Maybe you have known a concept of Jesus that has worked for you where he says what you want him to say, <laughs> where he calls you to the places you want to go, and you need to know Jesus, the God of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You need to know Jesus who comes in grace and comes in truth. And if you have never taken the moment to just say, Jesus, I receive you. 
would it be today? And would you tell somebody? Jesus, no more fake Jesus. No more Jesus I created. I want you. And I guarantee you, if you pray that prayer, he will start showing up in ways that delight you, ways that disturb you, because he is Jesus. He's not your rabbit's foot. He's not your little fake friend. He is the God of the universe. And to all who receive him, this is what it says in John chapter 1, to all who receive him, they become children of God. You will be his. So shift one, from unknown to known. Shift two, from not knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus. And then in verse 15, Jesus goes on. He says, just as the Father has known me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So shift number three. I need to go from assuming I can't hear God to believing I can. You see, some of us are saying, well, I just don't hear him. She hears him because you have that friend who's like, and God said, and God said, and God said, and you're like, he does not talk to me like that. Well, maybe she's got her own jive going on, okay? You, <laughs> you can, God, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. If you belong to him, you will hear his voice. Now, here's how I think it will most often show up. I can say I don't think I've ever heard him audibly. I feel like there's a few times when it's come kind of close. But his voice shows up in Scripture. Knowing his word, memorizing his word, having his word speak to you. His voice shows up through what I can only call like the holy nudge of the Spirit. His voice shows up through others, through others in the community of Christ. I've had people say things to me that like, I don't know if this is of God, but I feel like God wanted me to say this to you. And it turns out it is. Now, there's been times too where it turned out they probably had a bad burrito. I don't know. But a lot of, but often when it's a thoughtful person who listens to God, it's like, oh my gosh, that was from God to me through this friend, right? Or through a stranger. It's happened through strangers too. I've got to shift from assuming I can't hear God to I, believing that I can. And then I need to step into the places where I will hear him. We need silence. We need solitude. We need community that are people who are also listening to God, who help us in our process of discernment. We need the scripture. We need worship, right? We need a calling forth of the spirit. Scripture says, be filled with the Spirit in the languages. Keep being filled. Oh, Spirit, keep coming. Keep coming. Fill me. Fill me that I might hear the voice of Jesus. Shift number four. I need to move from following my gut to following my Lord. You see, a lot of us are doing our faith and our Christianity based on our gut. Well, this is what I feel. I feel like God would want this. I feel like God would. I feel like I feel think I'm 
sensing. And again, there is some part of our emotions and our intuition and all those things, but they've got to align. They've got to align with the scripture. They've got to align with my community that's helping me to, to find discernment, right? So I want to move from just following my gut to following my Lord. I want to get behind him. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I got to get behind him. And I can say this with, I can say this with experience. Obedience increases our faith. And obedience increases our ability to hear. The more I obey, the more I can hear. You see, people, there's folks out there who are saying, well, I think God told me this, and it wasn't from God. And, um, and they're obeying the wrong thing. But when you obey God, and you obey what he commands of us, forgiveness, loving our enemies, being generous, not being easily offended, we start to hear him better. We start to understand him better. He goes on in verse 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That is good news. And eternal life doesn't happen after you die. You guys know that, right? Because eternity doesn't, like, have a beginning point. <laughs> I did do geometry or so. I don't even know. Where do you learn that? Um, I don't really do math. But <laughs> he give, when you become his sheep, when you become his child, you are given right now, in this moment, you are living in eternal life. And they will never perish. Now, we will die, but we will then be raised to life, right? That's what he's talking about. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Basically, right there, he's saying, I am God. And the shift that I need to make, the fifth one, is this. From being anxious and afraid to being secure in Christ. From being anxious and afraid, and we're going to see this in Moses' journey. Remember, he meets God and he's afraid. And then he's going to move to a place where he meets with God, it says in the scripture, as a friend would, face to face. Moving from anxious and afraid to secure in Christ that my life would be lived from rest and trust. Trust and rest. And that's a great posture to be in, to hear from God. If I don't trust him, if I'm just afraid of him, if I'm just anxious at what he might ask of me, it's really hard to hear. But when I can sit in security that no one's going to snatch me away from him. That I will never perish, but I will be with him forever. Then I can rest and I can trust. Oh Lord, may it be. Would you help us
to change our posture, posture towards you. Oh, that we would live as known people. That we would live knowing you, Jesus. The real you, the true you. Uh, that we would live believing we can hear from you. You're a living God. You're a personable God. You are a person. You, you're not far away. You are as near. You send your spirit to not just live with us, but to live in us. Oh, you are a God who speaks. And you speak today. And I want to believe that I can hear you. And I want to follow you. Not just my gut not just my whims, not just emotions, although emotions are important, but I want to follow you, Jesus. And I don't want to be afraid and I don't want to be anxious. I want to be secure in you. Lord, would you do that in me and would you do that in us? I pray it in the powerful, powerful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.